The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rainmaker FM. Welcome back to the Writer Files. I am still your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on another tour of the habits, habitats, and brands of renowned writers. In part two of this file, award-winning screenwriter and author of the debut novel, All Our Wrong Todays, Elan Mastai, returned to talk about his fiction debut, The Science of Time Travel, and finding inspiration in dark places. The writer and producer has written movies for both Indian Hollywood studios, including scripts for Fox, Sony, Warner Brothers, and Paramount. His most recent film, What If?, a comedy starring Daniel Radcliffe, Zoe Kazan, Adam Driver, and Mackenzie Davis, premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2013. Elan won the Canadian Academy Award and Writers Guild of Canada Award for his script, and the movie played in over 30 countries. His new novel, All Our Wrong Todays, is a sci-fi-tinged time travel romance and much-buzzed-about debut that is rumored to have landed the writer a seven-figure book deal. The book has been described as dark matter meets Back to the Future, and even prior to the book's publication, the film rights were sold to Paramount Pictures. Andy Weir, best-selling author of The Martian, called it a thrilling tale of time travel and alternate timelines with a refreshingly optimistic view of humanity's future. In part two of this file, Elan and I discuss why you should double-check your facts before sending your manuscript to a celebrity, how music can influence your writing style, why you need to give yourself permission to write badly, the writer as entrepreneur whose one product is the inside of their brain, and why your writing is like a time machine. If you are a fan of the show, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as we publish them. And if you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives on iTunes, on writerfiles.fm, and in the show notes. Just a quick reminder that The Writer Files is brought to you by Studio Press, the industry standard for premium WordPress themes and plugins. Built on the Genesis framework, Studio Press delivers state-of-the-art SEO tools, beautiful and fully responsive designs, airtight security, instant updates, and much more. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 194,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. It's funny that you cite Andy Weir. I was uh, so flattered and grateful that Andy, uh, who I don't know personally, read the book and wrote me this terrific blurb, but mm-hmm. when we sent him, when we sent him the manuscript, uh, to read, 
I actually had this moment of panic and I went back and I redid all the calculations and I realized when we sent him the book, uh, I had gotten the speed at which the earth rotates around the planet wrong because I had started in, um, in kilometers an hour cause I'm Canadian <laughs> metric system. And then I'd converted it into, uh, into miles per hour, uh, for, for my American publisher. And then I'd, I'd done something wrong. And so I was like, I was texting my editor. I'm like, we sent it to Andy Weir. Of all the people we could have sent it to, we sent it to Andy Weir, and I got the speed of rotation of the planet around the sun wrong. We have to get it back. I have to fix it. And she's like, I think it's going to be okay. Uh, and so, uh, but I, 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 fortunately, I mean, I fixed it in the book, and I ran all the calculations over and over again. But that, it was funny that you cited him in particular, because yeah. I get that one calculation wrong, and I was like super sheepish and embarrassed about it. Oh, man. And it's an honest mistake. I blame the metric system, <laughs> as I blame it for so many things in my life. That's awesome. Um, so I like to I like to figure this stuff out, and it's not just the technology, although the technology and the science is the flashiest part. Uh, I like to drill down into everything. If I don't know about something, I like to find out about it. So yeah. um, there's a lot of uh, yeah. I go into a lot of Google holes um, trying to figure <laughs> this stuff out. Yeah. But it's usually um, a function of some moment in the story that I've come to where I realized I needed to figure something out. I, I've hit the limits of my amateur knowledge and I need to start, I need to give myself a little seminar in this area, whatever that area might be. With, I mean, the scientific and technolo technological elements are, of course, sort of more complex and finicky and you have to do a lot of work to not lose the reader. That was a big thing for me. I wanted to be the interesting stuff that really matters for the story. And if it was just tech, arcane technical stuff, I'm not going to put it in there because I don't want to bore you. And if you're interested, here's some, you know, you can find out more. You can yeah. do, go down your own kind of Google hole, but you don't want to lose people with all this stuff. You just want it to be interesting. And so that was always yeah. my, that was always my kind of North star, which is just, is it interesting? If it's not interesting, that's fine. I can talk a lot about traffic patterns, uh, for flying cars, but I, I boiled it all down to like two sentences in the book. Don't worry. It's not like, <laughs> it's going to be like six chapters of right. like flying traffic is. I just like to figure this stuff out. And then I, and then I know, and then that, and that, that's what matters to me that I know. And then my job is then to figure out what's the most interesting part of what I've figured out, um, for the reader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive just to see the kind of the, this mashup of, of worlds um, that, you know, fr from an outsider's perspective, like kind of looking at your screenwriting background, I'm sure that you were in, uh, influenced by some science fiction movies as well as um, romantic comedy stuff that, y that you've written for multiple different genres. But, you know, I, I think um, kind of you you've already outlined your productivity for the most part. Uh, when I think of screenwriters kind of looking at, you know, narrative fiction, um, I ima I always imagine them kind of listening to different soundtracks, and it seems like you've but you were influenced by music um, in your screenwriting somewhat. Did did music play any part when you were kind of writing this, or or you know I, I'm kind of imagining you listening to like Hans Zimmer while you're <laughs> while you're writing. Uh, it's not that's not inaccurate. <laughs> I, I mean, what I find actually is that certain sequences in the book I connect with certain songs or certain pieces of music. So I don't always write to music, but then there are certain sequences when I'm trying to get myself in the headspace of that sequence, I'll listen to the same piece, usually instrumental, over and over and over again. And that, and, and there's almost, um, even if the reader doesn't, wouldn't ever catch it, the rhythm of the piece and the tone of the piece become the rhythm and the tone of that chapter or that 
piece of the story. And so while I'm writing it, I'll listen to it over and over again. If I'm going back and rewriting or editing that section, I'll put that same song back on and it kind of gets me in the headspace. And so, yeah, I mean, I listen to um, some, sometimes movie soundtracks, but actually more, I listen to more like composers, um, Ludovico Ainaudi, I hope mm. I'm pronouncing that right, who's an Italian composer, whose his music is used in films a lot, but he's he's just a composer. I like his stuff a lot. There's an American um composer called Carly Commando, whose work I I, I listen to a lot. Um Max Richter, again, who's somebody mm. whose work is used in, in film a lot, but who also just composes his own pieces. Yeah. Uh, and and I find like they're just they create uh these very moody soundscapes, uh Gilles Lamb is another one, and and I and I like to listen to those. Although there are certain ones like um, uh, I'm gonna blank on his name, but he did the soundtrack to the Danny Boyle movies, Sunshine, hmm. and um, Twenty Eight Days Later. Uh-huh. I'm blanking on his name. I think it's John something, but his stuff is ter- is terrific. And it, you know, when you're writing it, even if what you're writing is terrible, it feels epic when you're listening to his music. Yeah. Yeah. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Well, um, here's the million dollar question. Um, how do you feel about writer's block as a guy uh, who writes every day? Um, have you ever, have you ever uh, run up against it or do you believe in it? <laughs> um, I believe in it, but what I believe writer's block is, is a lack of preparation. I think that if you don't know where you're going with the story, you haven't figured out what you have to say. Um, you don't know how your story ends. You don't know what the actual journey your character is on. Um, that's where writer's block comes from because you've, you've, you've hit an obstacle. It's like you're on a journey and you don't have a destination in mind. And so you've gone down a dead end. Um, do I believe in writer's block? I mean, I don't feel writer's block much at this point in my life because I know what I need is preparation. I don't really start anything until I have a pretty good sense of my ending, which doesn't mean I know every single step along the way. For me, it is like a a road trip. I know where I'm going. I know a couple stops along the way. And then I I like to leave room to discover. I Mm -hmm. like to be surprised by my own story. But the way that for me, I know that I'm going to do the best possible work is that I know I have a terrific ending. Because to me, the ending is why I'm writing it in the first place. If I don't feel like I have a great ending to my story, I don't even start. Because to me, it's that then I'm just going to be spinning my wheels. Um, A lot of movies, 
and a lot of books and a lot of everything in, in writing loses its way right in the middle because that's the moment you know, you've gotten over the initial hump of, okay, I, I've started my story. I've picked everything off. I've gotten everything placed. Wait, where am I going? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've packed up my car. I filled up the gas. I've, you know, inflated the tires and I don't actually know which way to drive. And so for me, writer's block, it, it can be a very real thing for people, but it almost always in my experience, it's about a lack of preparation. You haven't actually thought about what you're doing enough. Once you've had a chance to think it through, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I know where I'm going. And the writer's block has a way of kind of magically dissolving. For sure. For sure. And all screenwriters, um, probably study the canon of, you know, McKee and Freitag's pyramid and all that stuff. So, um, that probably, probably assists you as well. I would imagine. I don't actually take much kind of comfort or guidance from that sort of stuff. I mean, I, I, I think it can be very useful for people, especially when you're starting out. I don't turn down my nose, at, I look down my nose at it or anything. But for me, what I find is I just, um, if I'm feeling like I haven't figured stuff out, I just pick up a book, I watch a movie, I just, I read a screenplay, I, I read a novel, I just go back to, to reading and get, and that's usually what inspires me, um, rather than sort of, because I don't find, the, I think we've internalized a lot of the rules anyways, and so I find a lot of these storytelling rules actually can, can make you feel more kind of bound um, than, than less. So I find actually I'm more free to come up with an unexpected solution. I also, just as a writer, I like to put myself in the headspace of my characters. I'll write myself into a corner. I'll put the characters in a place where I don't know how I'm going to get them out. And then I have to figure out how to get them out, just like they have to figure out how to get out. And so I do trust that stuff. Now, of course, again, just to be clear, a lot of the stuff you fix in rewriting anyways. I mean, you know, nobody is, no movie you see, no book you read is the first draft. Right. I mean, far. And so I also, the other thing about writer's block for me is I just give myself permission to write badly. You know, sometimes the work is not going to be to your highest standard, but I'm going to rewrite it anyways. So I would just rather write something that's okay, knowing that I'm going to go back and fix it because it's always easier to fix something you already wrote than it is to stare at the blank page or the blank screen. Because if I have a bad line of dialogue, then I'm like, okay, this is a crappy line of dialogue. What would be a better way of expressing this? It's totally different than I have to come up with a line of dialogue from scratch. So I'd rather just write badly for a while and fix it later. Yeah. Yeah. I think Andy Weir expressed that exact same sentiment. Um, and that's a good takeaway. All right. So I got a couple quick workflow questions for you. Mac, sure. or, Mac or PC? Mac. Uh, what software are you using predominantly? I'm imagining you use a, a different screenwriting software, obviously, than for the prose stuff. For screenwriting, I use Final Draft. Um, and for uh, novel writing, I just use Microsoft Word. I, I have uh, Scrivener, which I like for organizing the story, like yeah. moving things around, getting a sense of the, the structure of it all. But I actually like to use uh, software that is as invisible as possible. And part of invisibility to me is just being used to it. Mm -hmm. So I've been staring at Final Draft for so many years that I barely even notice anymore. I, I know there's lots of screenwriters who advocate for um, other kinds of software, which they think is much better than Final Draft. I, I'm not even weighing in on that. It just when I, <laughs> when I open up Final Draft, I don't even notice it. Same yeah. with Microsoft Word. I am in no way advocating that it's the best software to write a novel on. I actually wrote uh, all are wrong today is unlike Microsoft Word 2001. Yeah. Like, not even the newest versions, like the old version with as few bells and whistles as possible. I hate it when the little uh, paperclip comes up and tries yeah. to tell you 
you're doing something wrong. I'm like, get that paperclip out of my way. I don't want anything that when I'm in the, in, in the flow of writing, I don't want anything interrupting me. And so I, I actually use the simplest software as possible. And then later I'll go in and, and I'll, you know, use, you know, I'll actually import it into a newer version. So I actually went from like the 2001 Microsoft Word to the most recent one when I was actually doing edit, like um, the copy editing and production editing for the novel. Likewise, on, I'll, I'll write in an old version of Final Draft and then I'll update to something newer when I'm, when I'm um, editing or when I'm in production, when you need all the bells and whistles. Yeah. But for me, it's like I want, I want it to be as clean and as uncluttered as possible. I think a lot of software, unfortunately, they try to shove as much stuff in there as possible to get you to, to buy the new version, whereas all I want is the, is, is the oldest and simplest version. Love it. I love it. Um, well, before we talk about creativity, um, I, guess, I guess my last question is how do you unplug kind of at the end of a, a long writing day when you're, Kind of going back and forth and wearing all these different hats. I, I don't know that I do, man. I mean, <laughs> it's, I, it's a lovely uh, aspiration. I would love to. Can you tell me, please? Actually, <laughs> you answer that question. Um, I mean, it's sometimes it's very simple. I uh, I have an office in my house. I work from home most of the time. It's not. I, I do go out and work in other places sometimes, but I mostly just like to work from home. And I sometimes just leave my cell phone in my office upstairs at the end of the day, mm. and then I go down. And just don't answer it. Don't look at it. Uh, <laughs> you know, the reality is unless you're in production on a film or your book is literally going to the printers, there are very few emergencies in the writing life. And so I do like to just leave it in another room, leave it on uh, vibrate or even off. And do try to take the time to just be very, you know, present in my in my life. But it's hard because when you're a, when you're a writer, whether it's a screenwriter, a novel writer, any kind of writer, whether you're a freelance writer, whatever you're doing, you are an industry of one. You are an entrepreneur. You are completely self-directed, and uh, it's, you're basically running a small business with one product, which is your the insides of your brain. And so it can, it can be hard to turn off. I think we all struggle with that. And in fact, uh, you know, part of one of the big reasons why, you know, I advocate for using the simplest possible version of the software is it's minimizing distractions in a, a sort of a environment, a cognitive environment where you know, there's so many distractions coming at us all the time. And most of, you know, whether it's uh, social media or cell phones, all this sort of stuff, they're literally built to get your attention. They're trying to get your attention and catch your attention and give you the little, you know, the little pleasure buzz of a, a note that's come in of somebody liking or reacting to something. Yeah. And I'm not, again, I'm not even turning down my nose at that stuff. Like it's all very fun and pleasurable. You know, uh, it's like Facebook and Twitter. It's like a video game where the <laughs> final boss at the end of the level is, uh, is, you know, uh, people approving of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I, I like video games, but, uh, you know, it's like, I don't play a video game while I'm writing. And so I try to avoid uh, social media and stuff like that while I'm writing. Um, but unplugging is tough. And I think it's yeah. something that we all struggle with. And I think it's just like, you have to be adamant about carving out time to write in a, in a focused, uncluttered environment. And nobody is going to do that for you except you. That's been like the biggest thing that I've figured out with my own writing over the years, which is that you are the only one who's going to advocate for that quiet mental space. And if you don't do it, absolutely nobody else will do it. You're the only one. Um, it's just like working out. Nobody else, no one's going to pick you up by the scruff of the neck and haul you to the gym and throw you on a, right. uh, whatever, an elliptical trainer. Like you have to do that. And so whether you have a day job, whether writing is your job, it, 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 I mean, 
it actually doesn't matter because if you don't, even if you're a professional writer, if you don't carve out the mental space to, to write without interruption, you're not going to be able to do your job. For sure. For sure. Um, I will uh, link to a, an article by Cal Newport in New York Times where he, well, the title of it, uh, Quit Social Media, Your Career May Depend on It, uh, mm-hmm. echoes much of that same same sentiment. And uh, I think it's important to kind of think about those distractions that can keep you out of flow state. As you, as you noted, um, that's important to uh, writing. So um, let's talk about creativity before I sure. lose you here. Um, because the inside of your brain um, is a, a, a fascinating place. Obviously, the, the book is um, kind of the definition of creativity. Um, all these different fascinating things. So how, do you think you could define creativity kind of in your own words? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a big and intense question. Um, to me, creativity is taking all the things that make you specifically you, your history, your experiences, your perception, your emotion, your psychology, your desires, your fears, your hopes and dreams, your anxieties and worries, and finding a way to take all of those things and communicate them in a way that makes sense and is appealing to other people. Now, of course, some creativity can be totally personal, but to me, creativity is um, connected to connection. It's it's indivisible from connection. Part of what makes um, my creative life appealing to me is is the ability to connect and communicate with other people. Uh, Whether that's, you know, my book being a conversation with the writer's uh, and the books that have inspired me, or whether my book is starting a conversation with readers who might get in touch with me via social media or in person, or even better, write their own books. I mean, the greatest compliment anybody could give me is that my book inspired them to write a book that I can then read. Um, and so for me, creativity is about taking what makes you uh, absolutely uniquely you, your brain as the one and only iteration of it in the universe, and finding. Um, sort of a, a vehicle or a means to express it to others. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, do you have a creative muse right now? Something that's kind of, uh, piquing your interest or probably the fear of death, you know, a classic one Yeah, that I don't have enough time, um, that I'm never going to be able to tell all the stories that I have to tell, say all the things that I want to say, connect with as many people as I want to connect with. Um, I don't lie around in that sort of like, you know, like the protagonist of a Woody Allen movie from the eighties, like bemoaning my mortality (laughs) or anything like that. But, you know, honestly, my mom died, uh, quite suddenly when I was in my mid twenties. Um, and, you know, she was a very, very smart, very accomplished, very impressive person. She was, you know, she was my mom, but she was also a good friend and a mentor to me. And I lost her, you know, very suddenly. And it also, in addition to just that feeling of, you know, that, that she never really got to know what my life was going to be like, what my career was going to be like. She wasn't going to meet my, my wife. She wasn't going to meet my kids. Um, she all, it was also that feeling of like, oh, wow, like, you know, the great, the last gift that she gave me was the awareness that I don't have unlimited time. And if I'm going to accomplish anything, if I'm going to tell the stories I want to tell, write the movies, write the books, 
that I, that I want to write, uh, I, I got to get going because you never know when it could be over. So that's a super depressing answer to your question. I'm so sorry. But that is the truth is that I have a real sense of a ticking clock yeah. and I don't know when it's going to, when the alarm is going to go off. And so I just want to get as much stuff out into the world, but also make it as good as possible. You know, I just, I want everything to be as good as I can at this point with my, of my talent. Um, and, and just and connect with people because to me, it's not, I don't see my novel as me standing on a milk cart in, you know, the town square with a megaphone screaming at everybody, listen to me, look at me. I want it to, I want to connect with people. I have all these ideas, but I also have questions and I, and I, I love the conversation you get with people who, uh, have read the book, who've connected with it, who the, it gets them thinking, it gets them excited. I want people, I mean, I think the book, the book is fun. It's funny. It's not like a downer, yeah, yeah. but it also asks a lot of big questions. Um, and it's, it, and it searches for answers. And I mean, to me, that conversation is why you do it. It's why I get up every day and sit at my desk and, uh, hunch over the keyboard and start smacking on it. It's because I want to, I want to engage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope that listeners, I find this interview before they read the book because um, all, kind of all of those things come through in this in this fantastic book. And Austin Kleon actually um, said almost exactly the same thing about his his methodology. I think uh, early on in his creative process was to read obituaries um, as kind of a you know I mean just a reminder that like uh, life is temporary. We don't really actually no one knows how long they're going to be here, right? I do. Uh, love- I've never done that. I do live only about maybe seven or eight blocks from a cemetery. If I wanted to get really grim, <laughs> uh, there. And you've written <laughs> horror before, so. Uh. I suppose, yeah, I could gaze longingly at the tombstones. Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, the other thing is, I, again, I mean, this is, you know, more of a personal answer, but I have two young daughters and they're not in a, they're not going to read the work I'm writing right now, but I love the idea that in the future they could discover my my work my voice what was you know the, the the things i was thinking about the stories that i was telling when they're older um and it, that is a kind of time machine all you know the art you create the writing you do is a kind of time machine because it's a portrait of of who you were at the time yeah. and uh that that inspires me as well you know i i mean i i, I want to be it's like that idea of like i could be gone at any time but that I, I could still communicate um with my children you know years after i'm gone is uh it, it's also something that inspires me every day yeah yeah well, um, before we wrap up with your advice to your fellow scribes, I got one more fun one for you. If you could choose one author from any era for an all-expense-paid dinner to your favorite spot in the world, who would you take and where where would you take them? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Neil Stevenson the uh, science fiction, primarily science fiction author, because uh, when I read his books, I just feel like I'm learning so much. And his storytelling is so bold and ballsy. um, And he has such a scope of his vision. And I've been reading his books since I was like, you know, a teenager and watching him progress. And I, and so, you know, I don't know him, but I know something of him from the work that I've been reading since the first one I read was Snow Crash. Mm -hmm. Like, 91 or 92 yeah. back and read his earlier books. And it's like, he's been developing as a writer for basically, you know, for, for most of my like conscious adult life. And so I would love to take him out for, uh, for dinner because I think it would be a fascinating uh, conversation. And, um, where would I take him? 
Um, there's a great restaurant in uh, New York City called Estella, which I've never had a bad meal there. So I would take <laughs> you to Estella. In New York City, it's in Soho. I mean, it's very fancy, but I mean, you know, somebody's paying for it. It's not me, right? It's all expensive. It's all paid. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, three degrees of separation on the Rider Files. Um, I believe that the founder of Wired Magazine, Kevin Kelly, is buddies with Neil Stevenson. So uh, uh, we will link to that episode as well. Well, can you leave us uh, with some advice for writers on how to keep the cursor moving, how to keep the ink flowing? Finish things. That would be my biggest advice. It's very easy to start things. It's very hard to finish them. But until you finished it, you don't know what you have. And so just kind of push through. It's okay to write badly. That is the hardest thing. You know it, it, You know what it's supposed to feel like in your head. It just doesn't seem to be coming out on the page. But you are going to rewrite everything so many times. Your favorite books, your favorite movies, your favorite songs, your favorite everything, those were not first drafts. Those are the result of months and months, years and years of rewriting and revising and rethinking. And so you can't get uh, discouraged by all the stuff that you love even though it seems so much better than what you're doing because it wasn't good when it started. None of it was good when it started. Nobody starts amazing. And so <laughs> I, I would just say my advice is to finish things and then, and then rewrite, 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 rewrite. I mean, it's sort of like writing one-on-one advice, but in my career, that, that feeling of finishing something, allowing myself to, allowing it to, to not be great because finding the confidence to rewrite and rewrite and get it there over time. That's been everything for me. Um, and yeah, over time you do get better. Uh, you know, every time you write something you, and you finish it and you rewrite it and you put it out into the world, whether or not people love it or hate it or are indifferent to it or never even knew what happened. Every single time you, you do that, you go through the whole process. The next time you start a first draft, it's better every single time. And so it's, it's a, pro, it's a long process. It's a lifelong thing, becoming the kind of writer you want to be. But like anything, it, it, it's, it's all about the muscles you exercise, the patience you have, and, the, and the, the how far ahead your vision for yourself is. So that would be my advice. And, uh, and I mean, the, the, the best possible result of this podcast is uh, a couple of people who listen to it uh, turn off their uh turn the podcast off right now and go and finish whatever it was that they started and couldn't finish. yes yes uh click stop here and we <laughs> will talk to you later um awesome awesome well thank you so much for doing this um all our wrong todays uh comes out february 7th is that correct that's right february and 7th. you can pre-order it now it is a fantastic almost indescribable um, sci-fi tinged love story that, that we can't begin to, um, explain here, but it, it is fantastic. Kudos on the novel and where can listeners, uh, connect with you out there? Uh, well, there's my website, elanmastai.com. It's E-L-A-N-M-A-S-T-A-I.com. You can get in touch with me. There's like, um, you know, you can connect with me by email through the website. I'm also on Twitter at Elan Mastai. I'm on Facebook. Elon Masta, I have an author page there. Uh, Goodreads, you know, I'm, I'm around. I'm not that hard to find. And fortunately, uh, although my name is hard to spell, once you've figured out how to spell it, there's no <laughs> other Elon Mastais out there. I'm the only one. So once right. you've actually figured out how my name is spelled, uh, it's very easy to find me. You're, you're good. You're halfway there. Um, awesome. And you are 
on tour um, starting February 7th, it would it would appear. Um, yep. I'm going to try to catch you February 8th in Denver, Colorado at the Perfect. Tattered Cover Bookstore. I love the Tattered Cover. It's a great oh, me too. Me too. Yeah, the yeah, it's got this awesome record store right next door. And yeah. there's a, a little the Denver Film Society uh, movie theater. It's a great little complex. Yes, yes. Um, well, best of luck with everything. Hopefully you will come back and talk to us again on your uh, next adventure. And we look forward to um, what comes next and especially reading this amazing, amazing book. So congrats. Thanks so much, Kelton. Thanks very much for having me on your show. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Bye.